The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Well, we started a series four weeks ago talking about why do bad things happen to good people. And when the Holy Spirit dropped for me in my heart, He dropped uh, for me to teach that series, uh, I knew that it wasn't going to cause no small stir. I knew that there was going to be a big stir uh, coming out of it because of uh, a religion, sometimes because of ignorance as well, and uh, other times uh, because of what we're going to share today. Some of the reasons are really interesting. But here's what I truly believe. I believe that God has called us to live at a higher place. Uh, God's calling on our lives is to uh, live at a higher place. God wants us to live above the circumstances and the challenges of the world. That's why, you know, we always quote 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which says we walk by faith and not by sight. So we walk by what the Word of God says, not by what our current circumstances look like. The word sight is talking about what you can perceive with your five senses. And most, most of the times, people are just limited to what they can perceive uh, with their own uh, five senses. But God is calling us to rise up so we can uh, uh, live our lives in a higher place. All the time, we're always going to start here in a place of carnality. You know, when you get born again, you come into the kingdom of God and you're fresh. I mean, the only thing you can relate with up to this point, the only thing you have been relating with up to, to this point is what you could uh, uh, perceive with your five senses. You know, what you can see, smell, taste, hear, and touch in this physical realm. But God is calling us to operate at a much higher place. And how do we move from here to over here? If you read in Isaiah 55, he says, let the wicked man forsake his thoughts. So the first thing you've got to do when you come into the kingdom of God is to forsake your thoughts. Uh, He says, let him take on my thoughts because my thoughts are what? Higher than your thoughts. My ways are what? Higher than your ways. And when you take on God's thoughts, you begin to live what I like to call the high life. You know, Romans 12, 2 talks about the butterfly life. You only start to produce that in your life when you take on God's thoughts. So some of the things we were talking about, I know there's been a lot of wrestling in your spirit, in your soul. Your spirit is already convinced of these truths because you have the mind of Christ in your spirit. But your soulish realm is where the argument and the wrestling takes place, you know, because you are so comfortable. And all of us, you know, start off in the realm of carnality and we are so comfortable with our environment and 
and the challenge with that is uh, to come up here, you need the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that's going to get you to operate uh, in the higher realm and, and produce the higher life and enjoy uh, the higher life. And uh, for you to move from here to there, you need the Word of God in its purest form, and you need to receive it in your heart without any compromise. But here's what tends to happen is that sometimes you hang around here for so long and you get so comfortable and sometimes through challenges and you feel like, you know what, you should bring the Word of God down here. <laughs> and a lot of people do that. They will take the Word of God and create their own uh, GMO, genetically modified GMW. Genetically modified word, and then they bring it down here uh, so that they can be comfortable with the situation. For example, growing up, you know, they used to say, uh, 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 Blessed are the poor. I remember going to the pastor and saying, Pastor, I'm tired of eating Amadumbe. I'm tired. Man, I'm tired. And the pastor said, oh no, you shouldn't be tired. You know why? Because blessed are the poor. But he didn't read the whole thing. So what he did is he took a truth about prosperity and God delivering me and just kind of altered it. Genetically modified word and brought it down here to where he said, you know what? Blessed are the poor. Babu sisi we abam pofu. And he stopped right there, midway. He didn't read the whole thing. The whole thing said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He's talking about those who recognize their deficiency in trying to approach God in their own strength, and they will look to Christ as a savior, and they will receive the kingdom of God. He's not talking about uh, poverty. He's not saying blessed are the poor people. Because <laughs> there was nothing being blessed about eating pop and uh, milk. Or pop and potatoes chew. You know, carbs on carbs. Man, it was hard. You fall asleep as soon as you finish. I mean, it was rough. There was nothing, you know, you know, there was nothing awesome about that. But people will take the word of God and genetically alter it so that they can be comfortable in their situation. If you've uh, uh, suffered from an ailment, sometimes this is what happens, you know. People have suffered from an ailment or Abraham and Sarah, they haven't had a child for a long time. Sarah has gotten a report from the doctor that she's barren and sometimes they begin to change the word of God and say, you know what, uh, you are a modern day job. That's what you are. 2021, God is just throwing these challenges uh, to you because you, you observed from heaven that you were the one who could carry this load. And so it's just the load that the Lord has given you because after all, you are the uh, most spiritually mature. I mean, people will alter the word of God and give you a genetically modified word and it may give you a little bit of comfort while you're here, but that comfort is not long-term. It's not going to be eternal. But when you receive the word of God, it may be challenging to go up here because along the way, there may be a glass ceiling to break. Have you ever heard the church talk about a breakthrough? It happens in your thinking when you say, I'm going to hold on to this word regardless of what it looks like. Amen. 
Psalm 119, verse 130. It says the entrance of his word, when you allow God's word to enter into your soul, into your soulish realm, into your mind, and fight all the wrestling that is going on in there, and settle the issues in your heart, like Abraham said in Romans 4, he said he was fully persuaded, even though he didn't have a child, Sarah was not pregnant, 25 years uh, Abraham worked on himself, and he became fully persuaded that he who had promised was also faithful to bring it to pass and way after their age you know a uh, uh, childbearing age they were able to conceive and give birth to Isaac Amen. you know why because they were fully persuaded and when you are fully persuaded you'll be able to break uh, this glass ceiling and begin to enjoy the promises of God up here is where the fruit is this is where the promises of God are made manifest but you can't just go uh, with the flow you're going to have to decide in your heart I'm going with God's word and the truth of God's word I'm not even entertaining any alteration to try and make myself look good or make myself comfortable here because blessed are not the poor <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God amen, amen. I said, amen. So for those who may say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the modern day Job, let's go and look at it and see what happened in the book of Job and see if you qualify uh, to be uh, the modern day Job. Amen. Job chapter number one from verse six uh, to 12. Job chapter number one from verse six to 12. You're going to see one thing uh, that is constant throughout scripture as we read the book of Job, uh, that God is good and that is good all the time. God has been good uh, in the beginning. He's always good. Uh, and for you and I, God is not the one that does bad things. When bad things happen, uh, you're going to see through reading the book of Job that God has always been the good guy. Uh, it's the theologians that try to turn him into a, a bad guy, but God has always been a good guy. He is for you, not against you. Amen. Let's read Job chapter number 1 from verse 6 to 12. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came. The sons of God there is talking about angels. You know, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and uh, Satan came also amongst them. Now when Satan came amongst the angels to present, uh, when the angels were presenting themselves uh, uh, before God, he came in the authority that Adam had given him in the garden. So Adam had given him the authority uh, to go before God as well. Now, if you are saying, claiming your situation, your terrible situation, uh, to be uh, a modern day job experience, uh, you know, this alone disqualifies you because today Satan cannot stand before God and accuse the brethren because Jesus kicked him out of heaven. Say what? Let's go to Revelations chapter number 12 from verse 7 to 12. Revelations chapter number 12 from verse 7 to 12. It says in verse 7, And war broke out in heaven. He's talking about when Jesus went to the cross. Amen. He says, And war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Someone say they did not prevail. They lost spectacularly. And nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So from that day onwards, the devil can't go and accuse you before God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. Did you know that if you don't accuse yourself, you stand uh, 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 innocent? In fact, Scripture says in 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence with God. 
Man, when you settle this issue that I am not guilty, that Jesus set me free and I am delivered and I am forgiven, past, present, and future sins, and you let your heart be established in that, watch this now, it says you will have confidence in God. Amen? Amen. Now, back to Exhibit A. It says in uh, verse 9, So the great dragon was cast out. He was what? Kicked out of heaven. He was cast out, and the serpent of old called uh, the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, in case you're starting to fear for your life that he was cast to the earth, no, Jesus gave you authority over him. To tread over him, to cast him out, to tell him where to go. Listen, when he tries to attack your body, you need to lay hands on yourself. And speak to your body and tell, devil, I command you to come out in the name, Puma, in the name of Jesus. Jesus has given you that authority. So don't be afraid. Amen. It says, now I heard a voice, verse 10. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So in Job's day, he went before God and was accusing the brethren. How long? Day and night. But for you and I, he does not have that opportunity because he has been kicked out. So right there, just reading that verse shows us that not a single believer in 2021 can have a job experience. Amen. Amen. So let's go back to the book of Job. Job, Job. Job. Uh, Verse 7, chapter number 1, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. He hasn't changed his tactics. If you read in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says he goes uh, uh, about to and fro looking whom he may devour. Don't be the one that he devours, amen? He's, just, he's, a, he's an opportunist. He's just looking for one who will allow him to devour them. He can't devour everybody. He's looking for whom he may. And I refuse to be the one he may. Amen? I said amen. And he says in verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is no one like him on the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschewed uh, evil? You know, God right there is not the one that's uh, instigating, is not the one that's uh, initiating uh, for, 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 Job to, for, for Satan to go after Job. In fact, if you read it in the Young's uh, literal translation, this is what he says. He says, Has thou set thy heart against my servant Job? In other words, God is just bringing to the open what the devil was already doing. So God is saying, Oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get to Job. So, you know, move away swiftly from this idea that God is the one that initiated it. God is not the one that initiated it. Amen. Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does, God, does Job fear God for note? Has not thou made a hedge around him, around his house, and all that he has on every side? Thou is blessed. This is, you know, Satan is accusing God of, of, of being a good God. He's saying, God, this is what you did for Job. 
You made a hedge around him, around his house, and uh, on every side, and you have blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Man, this is such an awesome, awesome uh, piece of scripture in the Bible. Listen, if God did this for an old covenant saint, you can stand on the same scripture knowing that God will do it for you and I. Because you and I are standing on the other side of the cross, standing on a better covenant. Someone say better. Better covenant established on what? Better promises. And our God is not a respecter of persons. God does not show favoritism. So what he did for Job in an inferior covenant, he is doing for Tafara in a better covenant. So I can leave my house every single day and say there is a hedge of protection around me, around my family, around my children, around my finances, around my body, around my health. There is a hedge of protection. How did you get to that conclusion? Because God gave it as a promise to Job. He is giving it as a promise to Tafara because God does not show favoritism. And I can stand driving, leaving my house and say, God has blessed the work of my hands and all my substance will increase in the land. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. So Satan is accusing God uh, of being a good, good father. I think it's an awesome accusation. (laughs) Amen. Verse 11. Now the devil begins to try to tempt God to act out of character. He says in verse 11, But you, God, put forth thine hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to the face. Satan is trying to tempt God to be him. God is not the one that steals, kills, and destroys. It's the devil that steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it now. More abundantly. So he's trying to tempt God to act out of character. To which God says in verse 12, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold. Someone say, Behold. Before we even say, uh, read what he asked him to behold, the word behold just simply means open your eyes. It just simply means open your little peepers, you dumb thing. Chump, not champ, chump, you chump. Open your little people. So God is just saying to the devil, hey, open your eyes. If you cared to look, you'd notice something. See, a lot of people give the devil more credit uh, uh, than he actually deserves in the area of knowledge and uh, uh, spiritual perception and so on and so forth. The devil is a dumb spirit. By that I mean he lacks spiritual perception. He does not understand spiritual things. The Bible tells us that the princes of this age, if they understood anything, if they had knowledge, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because they would have realized that crucifying one is actually giving the kingdom of God access to reproduce billions. Now they crucified one, now they have to put up with little Jesuses running around all over the place. Three billion of them. The Bible says if he had any idea of what's happening in the spiritual realm, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the devil is a dumb spirit. All God is doing now in this verse is just pointing out a spiritual reality that he didn't even know. 
He went in the garden and tempted uh, Adam, and Adam fell for it, and Adam submitted himself to the devil and gave up his authority, and the devil from that day started to function in the God-given authority that had been given to Adam. And God is just saying, behold, if you opened your eyes, you'd see that all that he has is in your power because of what Adam did. God is not signing an approval form. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he says, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. That's the only, how many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's the only piece of covenant that we see in the book of Job. It says, only upon himself put uh, not forth thine hand. It's the only piece of covenant that we see in the book of Job, which makes it very interesting when a 21st uh, century Christian is claiming a Job experience because you and I have an actual real covenant. The book of Job is the oldest book uh, written in the Bible, not in terms of occurrence, but in terms of when it was written. And the book of Job is the only book in the Bible that does not make any reference to any covenant that God uh, 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 cut with his children. All the other books will talk about the God of uh, uh, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. You know, you read and you, you can read, you could be reading the book of Psalm, you'll see the God of Isaac, uh, the God of Jacob, and the God of Abraham. And all that's doing is it's pointing to a covenant that God cut with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when people prayed in the Bible and they said, we are praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not just a religious tag that they're using. They're reminding themselves of a covenant that was cut between God and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So you can't just show up and start praying to the God of Tafara. Because God has not cut a covenant with Tafara that you can stand on. Okay, all right. I'm not, you know. I mean, there is a lot of craziness that goes on in the body of Christ. You can't just pray for you and I. It's the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we are standing on the covenant that Jesus brought into effect. Man, that's awesome. Amen. Now, if you go back, uh, something else happens there. Verse 13. Let's go to verse uh, 13. While we are doing that, uh, uh, we see interesting things. In fact, let's go back, go back to verse 12. He says, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So we know the story. When Satan left uh, the presence of the Lord, he went and started causing havoc in uh, Job's life. Uh, I mean, his livestock, you know, died uh, mysteriously. All kinds of things were happening. There was lightning and his children. Uh, all kinds of craziness was happening. And Job uh, had, a, had a worldview uh, because of that, he came to certain conclusions that we're going to look at and uh, bring them into context, okay? Now, while we're doing this, let me just point out that Job, uh, unlike you and I, did not get the opportunity to read uh, the book of Job chapter number one. <laughs> and for those who think they are smarter than me, but Job wrote the book of Job. He must have read it when he wrote it. Buh. You must think I didn't think about it. Job wasn't actually the author of the book of Job. 
If you read in Job chapter number 38, I believe from verse 15 to 18, you actually come into uh, 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 contact with the author of the book of Job. His name was Uriah. When he writes those pieces of scripture, he writes in first mention. He says, I then did this. But when he's writing about Job, he says, then Job did this. So Job didn't get to read what we just read. He didn't realize what was going on in the spiritual realm. He didn't realize that God was proud of him. He didn't realize that God would look at Job and say, man, I'm proud of Job. Have you considered Job a man who fears God and shuns evil? He didn't realize all of these things. He was in the dark. He didn't have spiritual perception. So some of the conclusions he came to uh, were not accurate. And we're going to show you through Scripture uh, why they were not accurate. Amen? And so what we've established so far in reading the story is this. That the devil is the one causing havoc in Job's life. Any takers? Okay, just a few. Any takers? Let's see if we agree. The devil is not the, 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 is the one who's causing problems. God is the good guy. Any takers for God being the good guy? God is the good guy, right? Now, let's see what Job thinks of what's happening uh, to him. So quickly, let's go to uh, Job chapter number 10, uh, verse 15. Job chapter number 10, uh, verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. Job 10, verse 15. This is what he says. Uh, this is Job speaking. He says, If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my hand. Let's read the next five words together. Ready? Read. I am full of confusion. Therefore, see down mine affliction. So, you know, Job uh, uh, makes this statement. I am full of confusion. He makes it. When he's, uh, he's making a, a worldview, he's coming to a conclusion of what's happening. One of the things he admits is that he's full of confusion. Not half full or half empty. You know, the pessimist and the optimist. Man, he says, I am full of this thing. <laughs> now, this is easy to understand. You know, when I preach in English, here's what usually happens. Because English is not my first language, I think it in Shona first. That's my, you know, uh, uh, first language. And then I send it for translation. And then it gets translated, and then it gets sent back for approval. And then when it comes for approval, then I preach it to you. It's amazing. All of this happens in split seconds. It's like a computer. But when I read this one, I didn't even need to send it anywhere. I can understand it. I am full of confusion. I know exactly what that means. The brother is messed up. Amen? Oh, here's a question. If you're trying to get from here to uh, Bloemfontein and, you know, when you leave the church, this is pre-Waze uh, uh, and uh, pre-GPS, uh, 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 Google Maps. And if you meet someone, usually you have to go to the service station because it's the safest. Those guys will help you, you know, without setting you up. Praise God. If you went to the service station and you meet a guy, hey, bro, I'm trying to get to Bloemfontein. Can I get some directions? And the brother goes on uh, and he, he proceeds to give you a full-on detailed explanation and uh, instructions of how to get from here to bloom and uh, at the end of giving you these uh, instructions he says oh just one more thing just to let you know i am full of confusion <laughs> how many of you up in here up in here up in here would still go on and action those instructions any takers anybody 
Everybody's like, no, I'm, not, I'm finding someone else. Not to say that everything the guy told you was wrong, but just right there it means there are some elements that might throw me off completely. And it's the same when you're looking at the book of Job. When the brother told us that he was full of confusion, then we have to read everything he says with a pinch of salt. What's the pinch of salt? The pinch of salt is the new covenant. You always read what Job said through the lens of the new covenant. If it doesn't fit with the new covenant, we can throw it out. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so the guy tells us that, man, I'm full of confusion. I can't see what y'all are seeing. I'm full of confusion. Man, it's a sad day when theologians make conclusions based on the book of a brother that just told you he's confused. <laughs> it's going to be like a blind leading another blind man. Yeah. And Jesus asked the question. He said, can a blind lead another blind man? What's the answer to that? No, the, Jesus said yes. <laughs> but they will fall into a ditch. <laughs> Jesus said, oh man, it's happening every day. The blind are leading the blind, but they're falling into ditches. So the brother said, I'm full of confusion. And now let's see what his worldview is. And I'm going to ask you to help me uh, 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 divide the word of God, whether this is uh, Job's, you know, uh, conclusion is accurate and his perspective to see if it's accurate in line with the new covenant. So hold your pinch of salt, your uh, salt shaker, so you can get ready. We're going to sprinkle some salt onto everything that Job said. Not to say that, you know, everything that he said was completely off. I mean, he said some pretty awesome things. He's the guy who said, one thing I know is that my Redeemer lives and that was spot on. Just like anybody, I mean, if you give someone who has never shot a gun, a gun, a machine gun to shoot, I mean, they will be spraying everywhere, but, you know, one of those might, you know, hit. Someone who can't fight boxing and they're windmilling. They might, you know. (laughs) One of them might hit. <laughs> Amen? So here's what Job says. Let's go to Job chapter number 10, verse 3, and look at his worldview. What does he think of everything that's happening in his life? Job 10, verse 3, uh, this is what Job says. He says, is it good unto thee, capital letter T. So we know that he's talking to who? To God. He's saying to God, is it good unto thee, or you, that thou shouldest oppress Now, here's the question. Was God the one oppressing him? But the brother is full of what? And it's starting to show, right? He says, it is good unto you that you should oppress, that thou should despise the work of thine hands and shine upon the counsel of the wicked. God is not doing any of that, bro. God is proud of you, Job. God gets excited when he talks about you. Just like you and I, God is proud of us when he looks upon us. We are accepted in the beloved, not because of our individual sins or our individual efforts, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. When God looks upon us, he is pleased. Someone shout, God is pleased with me. Now, this statement is true when you mess up and when you do right. Now, most of you, when you are in traffic and you mess up, you know, you wave at someone with, uh, with one finger, and then on the next pothole, the whole thing goes in. And when it comes out, most of you say, yeah, I know exactly why this happened. 
God was watching me when I waved at that person there. And God is getting... No, God is pleased with you. And he does not treat you according to your performance. Thank God. Amen? Because God sees even in the depths of our heart. It would be, oh man, it would be crazy if God did that. So Job thinks that it is God who is responsible. Job chapter number 13 verse 24. Here's what Job says. He says, why do you, capital letter Y, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Now, when we read Job chapter number one, we knew that God didn't call Job his enemy. He said, my friend, Job, not my enemy. Amen. But from Job's perspective, because he does not have a vantage point view, he's not seeing the whole thing. He can come to that conclusion. But you and I, we can read the whole book. We shouldn't come to that conclusion. Amen. And I'm telling you, when you start accepting the word of God as it is, without trying to justify it to fit your situation, you are on your way up. Deliverance starts the day you say, God, I'm going to receive your word even though it may not fit my current circumstances. I know that you want me to prosper. You know, my bank account may say one thing, but I'm still... See, now people, when their bank account starts ministering to them, they change the whole Bible. No, blessed are the poor, you know, blessed are... Yeah, man, I'm just the blessed of... No, you're... you're okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. Job 16, verse 9. Watch what Job says, his worldview. He says about God, he tears me in his wrath, who hates me. He gnashes upon me with his teeth. My enemy sharpens his eyes upon me. And he's not describing God. He's describing a pit bull. (laughs) Trying to bite you. Is this an accurate description of God? No, it's not. Okay, let's look at another one. Job 13, verse 15. Job 13, uh, verse 15. Here's what he says. He says, though he, capital letter H, is talking about God, right? He's talking about God and he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Man, this sounds like an abusive relationship. (laughs) Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. (laughs) But I will argue my own ways before him. Bro, don't argue your own ways. Submit to his ways and you're going to come up. Now, let's read one more. This one, I might lose some of you. Job chapter number 121. Here's what Job said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Spot on, bro. And naked shall I return thither. Spot on. The Lord gave. Spot on. And the Lord has taken away. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute, bro. The Lord gave. Yes, he did. But the Lord hasn't taken away. And then just because you sprinkle some religiosity around it doesn't make it right. Look at how Job ends it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord, but still God didn't take away. 
And sometimes in trying to explain a tough situation, I'm not saying there's not going to be tough situations here. There's going to be crazy tough situations here. But instead of exonerating ourselves from responsibility and uh, just putting it all on God so we can look good. Listen, if I went and prayed for someone and they don't get healed and they end up dying, I have two options. I could either just accept responsibility and that I failed. You know, the pastor came, the man of God came, and he laid hands on the person and the person died. The man of God missed it. Instead of saying that, hey, I missed it. I probably wasn't operating where I should have. Uh, you know, I probably didn't, you know, do what I was supposed to do. We don't know everything. Maybe the person, I mean, there's so many things that happen. Sometimes it's misdiagnosed, uh, diagnosis from the doctors. All kinds of things happen. We live in a fallen world. Instead of accepting responsibility down here, you know what I could do? I could just say, hey, listen, it's the Lord who gave and the Lord who has taken away. And then sprinkle some, uh, you know, some religion all over it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sure. That means I'm still the man of God. I'm still powerful. You know, I, I, should, have, I should have done it if it wasn't of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and it exonerates me. And I think it's such a bad theology. Yeah. Jesus has done everything he will ever do to get everybody healed. Yeah. If you read that scripture in Luke chapter number 5. It says that, and the power uh, was present to heal all. It says God's power was to heal. And, he, you know, the translators added the word present there, which makes it awesome. But even if you take it off, it says the power of God is always to heal. And if someone doesn't get healed, it's not on God. It's on Tafara. You know why? Because as anointed as I am, I don't get it right all the time. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm the anointed man of God. It must be someone else, not me. No, 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 no. We always miss it. None of, our, none of us are perfect. But here's one truth we know is that God is good and is good how many times? All the times. It's not God who's doing the taking away. Let's see God's worldview of what was happening. Let's see what God thinks of everything uh, that was uh, uh, going on and everything that Job said, you know, the Lord gave and the Lord. Let's see what God thinks about all of this. Go with me to Job chapter number 38 from verse 1 to 2. Job chapter number 38 uh, from verse 1 to 2. Job 38 from verse 1 to 2. He says, then the Lord answered Job. Listen, God, our God is an awesome God, man. God is patient. He let Job do his thing for 37 chapters. And he only came through in the 38th chapter. And he says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. I mean, God could have come through in a small, still voice. But this one, he didn't want Job to miss it. Champupuri. First, then, a voice came out of a whirlwind. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, listen what he says. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? That's what he says in the King James. Some of you may not understand it. We're going to read it in the Amplified. In the Amplified, he says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without 
knowledge. Now, let me read it in the CEV, the contemporary English version, the way we talk in 2021. This is what God said. Why do you talk so much when you know so little? So when God came out of, in, a, in a whirlwind, finally when God responded, he came in a whirlwind and this is what God said. Hey Job, why do you talk so much when you know so little? And if you read Job 38 uh, onwards, God started asking Job, do you know how I created this thing? Do you know how I make the earth uh, orbit around the sun at the right speed? Do you know this thing? You'll be talking too much when you know so little. In fact... You are the same guy who said you was full of confusion. Now, that wouldn't be so bad if it just stayed there. What makes it so bad is that you bring it over here in 2021. You have churches that stand on theology that has been developed from words that were spoken by a man who told us he was full of confusion. And not only that, God confirmed it by saying he was talking too much without knowledge. And not only that, the man himself came before God and said, you know what, I'm the one. Go with me to Job chapter number uh, 42. Verse 3. Job 42 verse 3. Can you see how God has always been a good guy? He says in verse 3, you asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? In other words, you've asked, who is this that talks so much with no knowledge or with uh, little knowledge? Therefore, I uttered, I'm the one. That's the first place if you're going to come up higher. Is to say, you know what? I've been running on the wrong track. This has been bad doctrine. Repent and say, God, you are a good God. I've said so many things about you that I didn't know. I've said so many crazy things in trying to justify myself. Listen, when you come clean before God and repent and start to look at him as a good, good father, now you're on your way up. You have a choice. You could either stay here and hang around here and create your own doctrines. That Listen, I'm not trying to have a Bible debate with you. I'm trying to help you come up here so you can have a fruitful life. That's what it's about. One of the greatest frustrations of any pastor, God called pastor, I'm not talking about self-appointed, one of the greatest frustrations of any God called pastor is to see people stuck for years upon years. Because God has called us to come and help people progress. And what I'm telling you today, brothers and sisters, is going to help you start going up. God is a good, good father. We read James 1.21 last week. He says, my brothers, don't be deceived. Every good and every perfect gift comes from, uh, uh, from above, from the father of lights, with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Our God is a good. If you mix that up, you're going to live a defeated life. Sure. This is foundational truths. Amen? And so Job said, man, I- I'm the one. I uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. So Job repented. He changed his thinking. And watch what happened in Job 42 verse 10. Just a few verses after that, here's what happened. And the Lord, someone say the Lord. The The who? Not the devil. Our God is the one that does the restoration. 
It says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and also gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job uh, lost livestock. The Lord gave him double of the livestock. Uh, Job lost children. Uh, The Lord gave him uh, uh, children that were fairer. That's what the Bible says, fairer. You know, Job lost a wife. Uh, the Bible didn't give him two wives. Didn't give two. Still one wife. Man, some of you are like, oh man, I need that job thing to happen. No. But it says she was fairer, she was wiser, she was more helpful, she was more loving. Double of the experience that he had with the first one. And I have to experience quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, I repent. Oh God, for not taking you on your word. Today, I've settled it in my heart that you are a good, good father. That every good, every perfect thing comes from you, O oh God. Please forgive me for the times I have accused you of the bad things. Please forgive me of the times that I have called you the, the one that steals, the one that kills, and the one that destroys. Today, my mind is clear without any doubt that you are a good, good father. That you are the one that will bring solutions to my situation. That you are the one that will work the miracles and turn around my situation. I claim a double for everything that the enemy stole from me. Everything that the enemy stole from me will be restored. Today, in the name of Jesus, I claim double for my business. I claim double for my family. I claim double for my finances. In the name of Jesus, I claim double for my health. In the name of Jesus, Father, today I receive you in my heart afresh with a new perspective. I am grounded in this perspective. I am fully persuaded in this truth that you are a good, good Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, whenever you feel the need to justify, hey, listen, you're going to be in situations that are embarrassing. All of us are going to be caught up in situations that are embarrassing. Uh, uh, Instead of you trying to justify yourself and put it on God, blame it on God. Blame it on God, 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 God. Is that a song? (laughs) Instead of trying to blame it on God, 
just own up. Those of you who were in the meeting on Friday for leaders and volunteers with Pastor Greg Moore, he told us that there were three sources of uh, storms in life. He said the first one is the storms that we cause uh, because of our own you know, ignorance and uh, stupidity and choices. And the second one, he said, uh, storms that come uh, because of the enemy and others, you know. And the third one, he says, these are storms that come in our lives uh, because you are doing the will of God. So whether you make right choices and you hang around the good people, there's still storms that are going to come because you're trying to do the will of God. It's not all because of you. And sometimes it's because of the calling of God on your life and the enemy wants you to be distracted. And when you join in with blaming it on God, man, you are not doing yourself any favor. Your situation will go, grow worse and worse and worse. I've met people who have thought, you know, by now they should be getting better. By now they should be getting healed. But, I, but when I listen to them talk, I realize, you know what, maybe that's the reason why they are stuck. The reason why Job's situation was turned around was because he had enough humility to say, Lord, I'm the one who said a lot of El garbage without any true knowledge and without any true revelation. Did you see that? And when he said that and he repented, man, there was restoration. Man, there is restoration in uh, standing on the true nature of God and knowing that God is a good, good Father. Amen? Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your children. Lord, we just thank you for their lives. Lord, we just thank you even for this compass uh, that you have put in our hearts. This seed that says our God is a good, good Father. Since time immemorial, Lord, we just thank you that you have been good, good, good to us. And so, Lord, this morning, we just thank you that this word will not be stolen from them, but, Father, that it will bring forth a harvest to some 30, to some 60, and to most a hundredfold. Lord, we just thank you, Father, that from today onwards, they're going to start to experience restoration. They're going to start to experience your goodness. They're going to start to experience fruit from above. They're going to clear up that channel of fruit because of this true and this revelation that you are a good, good father with good intentions and you want to just do good for them. And so, Lord, we thank you and we pray this morning that you may establish this truth in their heart so that their hearts may not condemn them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And someone said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm telling you, when the next time your car hits a portal, don't try to look for a fault. Because all your faults went on to Jesus. Amen? When bad things happen, don't go back and start saying, oh, okay, it's because, yeah, it's because I, yeah, I did this. I shouted at someone I did. No. Sometimes it's because the enemy is just coming against you. Sometimes we make bad choices. Sometimes it's because we're just running with the wrong people. Amen? Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. Ciao. Praise the Lord. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.